Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. We are well into November now, and the weather here is gorgeous. I've been taking advantage of all these cooler temperatures to do a lot of baking. You know, we're taking a little more time to make meals, especially on the weekends when we have the extra time to kind of get fancy. Um, You know, the days of barbecues and summer salads are finally behind us. We are officially deep into stew season. I'll admit, okay, I'm not an especially gifted cook, but I'm a hell of a bread maker, if I do say so myself, and I'm always anxious to fire up the oven once the weather permits. Um, God, uh, daylight savings. That was just this past Sunday. We all set our clocks back unless we live somewhere nice where they don't make you do that. But, you know, here we have daylight savings. So the evenings have been falling a lot earlier and I am really excited to start whittling away at the books in my to-be-read pile. I hope I'm not the only one who acquires books faster than I can possibly read them, but This is why I buy used whenever I can, and when it's too cold and dark to do anything outside, that is when I curl up with a book and a cup of tea on the side table and my dog's big fat head snoring in my lap. And this sort of turn of the seasons is kind of the catalyst for today's topic. I want to talk about kitchen witchery, and I know... I've mentioned before that I don't really vibe with the idea of trying to cram your practice into one like narrow niche or giving ourselves these definitive labels like kitchen witch or eclectic witch or forest witch or what have you. I do think that many of us sort of do trend toward maybe a specific aspect or kind of witchcraft, if you will, but most of us sort of pick and choose from different aspects of witchness, and then we blend those aspects together to form our own specific practices. And that's so cool. But we can certainly get a little deeper into these different definitions to kind of tease out those little facets that speak to us and that we want to fold into our own practices. And that's what we will be doing today with Kitchen Witchcraft. Now, you can go online and find a thousand different explanations and like cute little graphics that describe what it means to be a kitchen witch, but for me, it really just comes down to witchcraft that is born from the desire to create a peaceful home environment that seeks to promote a harmonious sort of refuge from the outside world for a witch, you know, a place where she or he can create powerful magic or find solace, especially in times of external chaos. And if a witch has a family at home, then that's fine. But if a witch does not, you know, if a witch lives alone or still lives with their parents, or if a witch's family does not support or condone witchcraft, the purpose of kitchen witchery is still the same. The haven that a witch creates can be meant just for the witch alone. And if the witch has a full-time job, like me, um, it works outside of the home, or if a witch lives in a tiny little apartment or doesn't have a big, beautiful kitchen, 
like whatever, kitchen witchery is still there to be drawn upon to create that calm and comfortable environment. So, you know, how do we use kitchen witchery to create this? All right, look, I know I have probably sung the praises of tea in almost every episode. We could probably call this the middle-aged tea lady podcast and it would be like dead on balls accurate, but this is just because tea is such an easy and accessible and affordable and effective form of witchcraft because consider it, you know, the very act of making tea is such a ritual. You've got to choose the blend that you're going to use according to your own personal tastes and the properties of the herbs that you're trying to take advantage of. And, you know, even if it's something as simple as a cup of chamomile before bed, and then you, you got to boil your water, you steep your herbs, you wait for it to cool a little bit, and then, you know, you drink it carefully and with mindfulness. You can stir a little honey into it. You can stir it clockwise to draw in peace and restfulness or whatever you need that you're trying to get out of this tea. Or you can stir it counterclockwise to banish stress or negativity or whatever you're trying to release. Teas are one of the most common potions that we as witches have access to. And this is a witch activity that we don't need privacy for. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to cast a circle. We don't have to wait for the moon phase. We can do this at any time of the day or night. Shit, I keep boxes of different kinds of tea at work. You know, sometimes if it's a particularly hellish week, having a cup of tea at my desk saves my sanity. And having favorite teacups or mugs is a total witch thing. These vessels are tools of your craft, just like your cauldron or your altar. And again, it's easy and inexpensive to find a few that you love. So when life is chaotic, or if you feel like things are starting to spiral, or you just really need to press pause in the world and take back a little control, consider tea as a ritual for creating that for yourself. And if you absolutely cannot stand tea, then use coffee or cocoa or hot cider. I prefer tea just because the herbs that you choose can be so powerful and can add so much beyond the pure ritual aspect of it. But this is your craft and you can practice it in whichever way you damn well please. So that's, you know, that's enough of me like singing the praises of tea for this episode. And I promise I won't bring it up again for like at least five minutes. Cooking and baking, of course, will always spring to mind when we talk about kitchen witchcraft. And this is for good reason. The food that we eat can be medicine for our bodies and our minds and our souls. But this is reality, and we are all very busy. We rarely have time to make a big meal for ourselves, but we can make small gestures that add up to witchcraft. You know, making a pasta sauce from scratch is awesome, but if it's just not feasible, maybe try just stirring in some extra basil into a jar of ragu to draw in wealth. Or, you know, add a little extra ginger to your Panda Express for confidence. You can add some extra garlic to like your can of chicken noodle soup when you're not feeling well, which is going to support you in your healing. And frankly, it'll improve the taste. You know, we don't have to be Martha Stewart here. We just have to consider ways that we can incorporate the craft 
into our daily lives. And by taking those few extra moments to do these things for yourself, we're also practicing mindfulness. We are more easily able to keep our intentions in mind throughout the day when we do these things. Baking is a really potent form of witchcraft, and it's one of my favorite. And of course, you know, baking anything from scratch is an opportunity to create something very, very magical. But even when we use shortcuts like box mix, box mixes and store-bought pie crusts, you know, we can find ways to call in kitchen witchery. If we're using a refrigerated pie crust, you can use a knife to carve intentions or manifestations or even sigils into the bottom of your pie before you fill it. Um, and you can add extra cinnamon to your apple pie filling for protection. Um, if you're baking a cake from a box mix, just you know, throw in some extra vanilla to the mix for love. Obviously, there are larger and more complicated forms of spell work that we can and do perform as witches, but in terms of daily acts that we can take to support ourselves and our practices, kitchen witchery is some of the easiest and least labor-intensive because all we are doing is adding intention to things that we already have to do each and every day. So consider, you know, your simple chores like cleaning our houses or washing our floors or doing laundry. You know, all of these acts can become witchcraft. Sprinkling a little salt in the rug before vacuuming is a great way to get rid of funky old energy. Um, adding some rosemary to your pine saw before you mop or scrub down the kitchen and bathroom will do the same thing. Um, we spoke about it in the herb and plant magic episode, but creating infused sprays can serve as a great way to clear out the energetic cobwebs. And briefly to kind of go over that again, you just put some water in a jar and add some carefully selected herbs like rosemary or lavender or cedar. Um, and do a little research, you know, find out what herbs are going to match up with whatever your purpose may be. And then just cover your jar and charge it overnight in the full moonlight. In the morning, you're going to strain out the herbs and pour your infusion into a spray bottle. And this is good for spraying into the air or onto your carpets or rugs, onto your furniture, even your bedding. And look, don't soak everything, you know, just kind of give it a light spritz. But, you know, boom, kitchen witch. Another aspect of kitchen witchery that I love to emphasize is the protective power of houseplants. You know, if getting a houseplant or two has never really crossed your mind, it's just something to consider. If you're a witch who already has a ton of houseplants, consider enlisting them to help protect your home if you haven't already done so. Um, I didn't include this in the protection magic episode because I felt like it was a little overloaded as it was, but it's a really good way to, to practice kitchen witchery and protective magic at the same time. Houseplants are naturally a very strong earth magic element in your home, and of course, earth magic is naturally very protective. So the simple act of owning and caring for a houseplant is going to offer your household some measure of that. And I know a lot of witches simply don't have much of a green thumb, but there are some plants that don't require very much of you. Um, pothos is a good one. It's also called devil's ivy. 
And it's probably one of the most common houseplants here in the States because it's so easy to care for. It just needs a bright window, some water, you know, every other week or so. And that's literally all you have to do for it. And it will reward you with beauty and cleaner air and that earthy protection. And it will also grow like an absolute bastard. And you can clip off sprigs and stick them in water for a few weeks until a new root system starts. And now you've got extra plants. You know, that's cool. You can give them to friends or just put them in other rooms of your house. You'd be like this whole green witch now. Aloe is another plant that's easy to grow. And the added benefit there is that in addition to the magic that it provides, it also gives you literal medicine in the form of your aloe sap. And the same is true for potted basil, which I've recommended many times before. Basil will draw in money as well as be delicious, sprinkled in your tomato soup. Um, a small pot of mint will also encourage wealth and it, shit, it makes mojitos. So that's a win-win. And one last little thing that I jotted down in my notes, and I wasn't sure if I even mentioned it, but what the hell. Buying a witch's calendar is a good, low-effort way to keep track of things like retrogrades and moon cycles and sabbats. And I know that Llewellyn sells one every year, but that's not the only one that's available. But the artwork is really beautiful. And, you know, most of us need a calendar anyway. Look, and just so we're clear, this is not a paid endorsement. I don't personally even have that specific calendar. I just happened to see it the other day when I was at our little local occult shop, and it's really cool. And, you know, hell, I I may go back this weekend to get it. And that isn't actual kitchen witchery per se, but it's just kind of an easy way to sort of stay organized in your mundane life as well as in your witch life. You know, I'm like most of us. I have a lot going on all the time. I always have several balls in the air at any given moment. And the only way I get anything done is just by writing things down. You know, again, these aren't grand magical gestures. These are small, doable methods for bringing extra magic into your daily life. Because we aren't witches only during the full moon or only on Sabbaths or while we're doing these elaborate spells. We are also witches when we're at the grocery store or we're at work or when we're sick or when we're spending time with family and friends. We are witches 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And kitchen witchery is a really good way to reflect on that and to remember that we are so goddamn powerful. Even when we're, you know, sipping a cup of lemon zinger tea on the couch watching Supernatural reruns, it's not always going to be dark and mysterious. We can't maintain that 100% of the time. And that's why I like to bring in those simple elements of kitchen witchery. And I would love to hear your favorite kitchen witch tips. So send them in. You can drop me a line via email at eli at middleagedwitch.com or on Facebook and Instagram at middleagedwitch. And I can't wait to talk to you again next Thursday. My name is Eli, and this has been the Middle Aged Witch Podcast.
content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.